Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome back to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. I am your host, Jason. Thank you so, so much for stopping by for this latest chat with friends. And I am really, really excited. I'm always excited. I love all my you friends. Are. <laughs> <laughs> but this conversation is, I think it's a, in many ways a necessary one. Like I do, you know, I try to have conversations all, all the time that are not a waste of people's time. But this one in particular, because we're talking about how we talk on this episode. Mm. So uh, we, so uh, we had a conversation and we, we've been talking and I've been on uh, this man stream before, but I'll let me introduce him properly. He is Sen Fung Lim. He is a professor. He is a game designer. He is a developer. He is the person who runs uh, the Meeple Syrup uh, Facebook group, and he has all sorts of presence in the board gaming space. So Sen, for the first time on Shelf Stories, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad to be here. All right. So the topic du jour is online conversation, moderation, so this concept mm. called code switching, which I will explain a little bit later in the show. So, yep, he's nodding. He knows what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> we haven't really discussed what we're going to talk about, but no, I think but I know. <laughs> That's, well, I mean, that's part of the code switching thing, right? That's part of it. Yeah, exactly. So like we'll, we'll get into all that. Um, so like moderation and like, you know, obviously this is above the table. Shelf Stories does above the table stuff. It's not like gaming. Um, but I think anyone who is online at all <laughs> is going to encounter some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. So I'm excited about that. Um, but for actually, but first, I have a couple things uh, before we get there. Let's do some of the fun stuff. Uh, sure. Sen, you are uh, like introduce yourself to the people. Introduce you how you are. Oh. I mentioned you're a game designer and a developer, but tell me, tell us a little bit about what uh, you have, what you have done that people might know. Oh, okay. So I am the co-writer of Jiang Shi Blood in the Banquet Hall, which is a role-playing game about the Chinese diaspora specifically um, immigration to Canada, United States in the late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, which was a very troubled period of time, <laughs> if you can imagine. <laughs> right. um, and then I'm also a board game designer behind a lot of games like Kingdom Rush, uh, the series Kingdom Rush with Jesse oh, Wright. Man, oh, there it is. And Helena Hope. <laughs> For uh, the my podcast, I am holding yeah. up my brand new box. I've played this game, but I finally got my own copy. Oh, very I nice. I can't wait to bust it open. <laughs> it was on sale at Cool Stuff, so I couldn't. I was oh. I was waiting for it. I couldn't resist. There and you go. And the Kickstarter for the uh, expansion. Just it's not really an expansion. The, uh, the and, it wasn't, and it wasn't a kinks it wasn't a kickstarter <laughs> it was on game found it's a game founder well, i don't well, know what to call those yet well kickstarter is like xerox right or like q-tip but it, i mean it, it is now the brand right <laughs> <laughs> it's like kleenex you can blow your exactly. nose in it exactly so exactly uh, so i did want to ask about that very very quickly we are on the one-stop yeah, co-op sure. shop podcast uh kingdom rush is a very popular game among our communities so uh, the solo co-op community uh so kingdom rush has just you know gone along and i mean you you kickstart or game founded an entire standalone <laughs> expansion and you're not the you're not the only designer mm -hmm. this. you are a co-designer yes um so then uh the other designers are helena hope and jesse wright yes uh so i mean tell us a little bit about the reception of kingdom rush and is it you know did it was it exciting for you did it like kind of meet the oh. expectations of what you were going for yeah i mean so uh all three of us uh, on the design team are huge Kingdom Rush fans. We've played the app multiple, multiple times in every single iteration. I think I've bought it like 
three or four times the game because <laughs> it's like oh I, I downloaded i forgot i oh i bought it again and you know i buy it on whatever switch and right. pc and whatever incarnation it came in i think i bought it um i bought all the iterations so origins and vengeance and uh even like iron marines which is another game by the the game the app publisher who is iron hide uh and they're uh they're from Uruguay, I think. And they're, it's a wonderful game. It's like kind of cartoony, but it's it's tower defense. And so it's when way we... better than plans for a zombie people. Kingdom Rush <laughs> is the best tower defense mobile it game that you are. It is. It's got a great story and great characterization and really fun powers and really cool upgrade paths. So it always caught our eye. And when we were talking to Vince from Lucky Duck, um, he kind of made the offer. He said, so because we had designed a couple games for him. He said, what would you like to work on? And we said, uh, Kingdom Rush. <laughs> he said, well, let's see about that. And, you know, lo and behold, a couple of years later, we've got not one, but two Kingdom Rush games um, under our belt so far. And the reception has been great. Um, you know, Ironhide was brilliant behind um, a lot of the stuff that we did. Um, they they actually made a new character for us. Like we made the character, but they like drew it and then like official Ironhide style. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And um, you know, our the wiki, the wiki for Kingdom Rush has all our game stuff in it, mm. which is pretty neat to see. Yeah, um, yeah, not a lot of the other IPs have done that for us. So we were really happy with that. So yeah, it's got a great reception so far. <clears throat> a couple, you know growing pains type of things where it's like we made the first level a little too hard um thank you that was like one of my two questions thank you no 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 it's true <laughs> no no if, if we could do it all again we would dial that back mm. um and so do you have an easy fix for the peoples if they're running uh, into trouble problems with the first level some something they can do very quickly to kind of make that first level I, easier i think jesse actually put a post up on bgg about it but okay. I'll, I'll 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 get that to you for sure because there's actually like an answer um mm. Uh, and it's probably a real easy fix. I just I tend to not think about those things after I deliver the game. Who, so who I don't cares about player has... experience, please. No, 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 no. It's not that. It's just my brain is full. Uh, you ever seen that uh, Far Side comic where there's that guy in class with like a little head? And he goes, uh, "Please, teacher, can I please be excused? My head is full." That's me. My head gets full of stuff, and so I kind of just kind of constantly eject old ideas from it. And Kingdom Rush. Um, because Kingdom Rush, the second thing is filling his head right now. It's like I haven't thought about it, and I know there. The second one I know is called like Elemental Uprising. Elemental Uprising, yeah. Uh, so I know that the first one, the first mission, is particularly difficult. Um, and so here's the deal: it was actually made to be not easy, but to, but to guide you into learning parts of the game, uh, and to slowly introduce things. And because it slowly introduces things you have to almost be perfect at playing it or you'll die uh, because you don't have all the other cool stuff that allows you to make mistakes, right. <laughs> which is funny, right? So the more powerful the things are in Kingdom Rush, the easier it is to play because you're killing more stuff. So it doesn't matter if right. you, know, you make a, a mistake here or there. But in the first level, because you don't have access to a lot of the interesting things, uh, you have to be very, very precise with how you play. And... Uh, especially if you play at higher player counts. Right. The lower the player count, the easier it kind of is. Um, mm -hmm. Not because it's poorly balanced, just because that's how co-ops kind of work sometimes. There's less decision points where, you know, 
mistakes right. can happen. So that said, uh, I will ask Jesse and I will get back to you exactly <laughs> what is. I'll actually, I'm going to, I'm going to actually message him right now. Cause I think as we, as we record, we've, this. we've had this question before for sure. And he had the answer and it's like, Oh yeah, that is the answer. And then I just kind of, out of my head mm-hmm. there he is so Jesse. while uh, yeah so while jesse's answer i have one uh i have one question for you yeah, yeah. um because the elemento uprising made a made a change um so i know this is getting a little bit in the weeds of a conversation <laughs> we're not even supposed to have but i'm like I, whatever it's a, it's a it got me friends. it got me here it's okay yeah. i got you um so the second uh box i noticed like so the, the most annoying the annoying part yeah, of sure. kingdom rush was a, a enemy called the portal enemies Oh, so the portal yeah. enemies for people who don't know, um, they kind of randomly appear and they kind of mess you up in random ways. And it's like, well, <laughs> they, they're okay, so they're not random, okay? <laughs> they're pretty much they're where they're supposed to be, they're designed that way. Right. But what they do is really mean, uh, and it's yes. really, really mean. So they just basically say, Hey, everything you've built so far, just just ignore that. Yeah. We're going to destroy it on you. It's just um, gone. It's gone. But it's a cho- it's a choice, right? So it feels real bad because you are making a choice to win by destroying your own what you've built up. Right. Um, but it's this kind of necessary hard decision to make uh, to win the game. And so people who are very loss averse, like psychologically loss averse, right. they're going to lose, which is even right. worse. Um, you have to sacrifice some of your towers to get past these portals. Uh, in order to win the level. Um, oh, yes. Jesse's answering right now. He said, let heroes fight portals. Mm. That That's is it. a way to make Kingdom Rush much easier. Yep. Let heroes fight portals. You, you heard it yep. here first or second or third or whatever. You, yeah. you heard it from. Well, I mean, Jesse said it before, but now he's saying it again. So this is third party, but I'm part of that party, I guess. So first party for real. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. Um, let heroes fight portals. That will make life a lot easier. Uh, and then you can just up the challenge. So it's funny, Patrick Leader, uh, whose birthday it was yesterday. Happy birthday, Patrick. Hey, happy birthday, Pat. uh, Yeah, um, of Leader Games, uh, Root and all that, you know. They did just Best. a great Kickstarter last, uh, yesterday, I think it ended. Okay. I think so. But it was, it was awesome for the new Marauder stuff from Root. I love Root. Uh, I love Patrick too. But Patrick loves Kingdom Rush. And he would email me or message me in the middle of the night because uh, he was just up. And he's saying, yeah, how do I win this? <laughs> I say, well, I don't know, Patrick, how do you win this? And Patrick, <laughs> by the way, is like a super smart dude. So it's like when he is he getting stumped, it's like, okay, something's up. And so it was <laughs> he would post pictures to me of what he was doing. Um, and then just basically what Patrick would do is he would lose at a level and like, a, like he'd start at the hardest level. He'd say, I can do this. I'm, you know, I can beat this at, you know, guy. iron. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And then he'd say, oh, I guess I can't. Then he'd go down to the next level. And he's, oh, I guess I'm a two-star. <laughs> I guess I'm a two-star kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But then the next time he set it up, or he actually never took it down. He would just keep playing. He would start at, you know, iron level again. And he'd go down the tiers until he was like, okay, maybe on this level, I'm a one-star. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the other thing too. A lot of people, um, even, even just thinking and, and, you know, play style and, personality wise like it's like i need to win at three stars that's normal i need to be normal it's not normal three stars right. is like the best right? oh is it oh, okay sorry well i mean yeah kind of i mean iron is obviously better than that but um okay three stars, yeah, right, right. Three, so, three stars I, it wasn't three three stars wasn't like the highest difficulty right no 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 yeah, it's not but three stars also means that you probably made so few mistakes Right. And, and I don't, I think people are not forgiving with themselves enough to understand that one star and two star is still winning. Right. 
but then again, you're talking to uh, a bunch of designers who like we've three starred the entire series of the game like on app, and we would just play until we three start everything. But it didn't start that way. Like we were not that good when it started. Mm-hmm. We we would like lose this level. I, I kind of remember a couple levels in the apps where it's like I don't know how to do this, but I needed to three start. So I would spend like a week trying to three star a level. Um, and it's a little different on an app because it automates a lot of stuff for you. So mm-hmm. I get that. But anyway, my point being that you don't need to be three-star to be good. You're, you're good in my books if you win any level <laughs> at, any, at any level in that game. Oh, I don't you might care. feel bad I, about I, yourself, just, but... I want to explore the game. If I, and if I, I want to... Like, this is a big box of stuff and I want oh, yeah. to... I am not going to get stuck on something just because I want I just perfect everything on the way. No, no, one stop no, for me and you so can go, I can see everything. The thing is that you can go back... Um, do you have all the Kickstarter stuff? Nope. Oh, it's too bad. Um, because with the Spider Goddess, you can actually apply the Spider Goddess rules to like every single level. Mm. And that just means you go back and play it with that cool stuff. And now it's even harder. So honestly, you know, even Iron's probably not the hardest. I think probably Spider Goddess levels are probably even harder than that. So it gets it gets real tough. But but here's the other thing that you need to know. Uh, we can three-star all of them. <laughs> we can. Like we have... Jesse and Helena and I have three-starred all of them. Every yeah, single yeah, level of in the game. Of course. But, yeah, but again, like, I think the like, complaint is more like the, stuff. like the the complaint is more like, you know, we've like the, the game space is so crowded. And then like if you get five plays of something, then that's like a lot. Yeah. So I think like in, in five plays of Kingdom Rush, you are facing something that's A impossible and B probably the most boring part of the game because you're getting the first and second level. So like people encountered that barrier and it's For like sure. yeah, you know, so that's why that's the, yeah, and that's, that's why I said people, we would if we had if we could do it all again, we would roll that back, right? We would, oh, I see what we did, right? Because again, it was made to be a teaching level. Uh, but people think about it as a, oh, we got to win this. And when they can't, they go, oh, the rest of the game must be hard. And it's funny because, uh, you know, as a professor, this is actually called educational momentum or test momentum. Mm. Test momentum, if you don't know what that means, it means when I write a like a multiple choice test, guess what the first answers are? Super easy, right? Mm-hmm. The first few answers, super easy. Why? Because I'm going to have hard questions along the way and I want you to get to them. Right. But if people start answering questions that go, I can't answer this. I can't answer number one or number two. They're immediately going to be put into a defeatist mindset where it's like, I can't, I guess I'm, I get, I guess I failed this. I guess I'm stupid. Yeah. Right. And that's what happened, unfortunately, with level one in the first edition of Kingdom Rush. Mm. So I would roll that back. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, Elemental Uprising seemed to learn some lessons. Right. So oh, I was mentioning sure. before 100%. about the, the portal enemies, like they don't seem mean. They like the like it doesn't feel oh. like there's meanness there. Or like <laughs> there's as no, mean. There's no portals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we took portals out. Um, but that that created a whole new design thing for us. It's like, well, then what is the wincon? Um, and how do we signal that everything runs in and how do we, you know, so now it's like you have to kill everything. You have to defeat every single right. horde on the table. Um, or you're going to lose life. And when you lose life, then your stars go down, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there's still that pressure to be, you know, to perfect the level. Um, but uh, definitely in testing all the levels that we got, um, there are some levels that are real hard to get perfect on. But right. I mean, that should be the thing. It's like, that should, should be, be what drives you to try it again. Mm-hmm. Um, like keep it on the table for another day and try it. See if you can get it. If not, you can move on. Like it's, nobody's stopping you from moving on. Like it's not a campaign where you have to like do level A and then level B and then level C. 
it's nice, but yeah. none of it revolves around, you know, you don't unlock stuff in the way like a legacy game would. It's not quite the same. Mm-hmm. And there's no like, um, there is a story that interleaves things, but it's not like mission critical to know those things. So, so Kingdom Rush, uh, I kind of ambushed Sen with that, but you know, okay. game designers <laughs> like to talk about their stuff. And I am looking forward to cracking up a little bit Kingdom Rush. We do have a playthrough in the one-stop co-op shop that came up nice. very, re- very recently with Colin. Uh, and, you know, I'm ho- I did back the, the Kickstarter, so um, the second one. Yeah. And I'm going to track try to track down some of this. I, whenever I get into something, it's like, oh, man, I missed it. I need to get some of that stuff back. So <laughs> we shall see. Uh, but thank you very much, Sam, for breaking that down. No so problem. that uh, so for those of you who want who come here for gaming content, you are good. So <laughs> there, now we're done that. Obligatory, <laughs> obligatory game content done. Obligatory. <laughs> done and done so um so yes we are going so thank you very much if you tune in for gaming content but now we're going to shift into our discussion topic which is a complete you know so i may even just put in like a music break or something like that just to indicate to people that we are going to have a serious conversation yeah uh, because i think this is important right so for us gamers because that's how we interact with people especially in the land of covid because you can't avoid the internet um so the so we'll talk about f- like forum moderation and uh, communicating and you know just like kind of healthy communication on the internet. Uh, we'll put it the most positive spin on that as possible. Yeah. So the re- the the impetus for us talking and I'm not going to use any names whatsoever because it'll be a couple of weeks after anyway. So it's so it's whatever. Sure. Um. So then you know someone said something stupid. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> It, it, could, so it could have even been us, but it wasn't in this case. But I'm not saying we don't say stupid things. Right. But but so, okay. So like the stupid being, I think the, the current like really like kind of flamey stupid is like racist, sexist, misogynist. Sure. Right. Like that cluster of things. And it's like, we okay, very, and people know at this point how I roll on the on shelf stories. I do not call anyone a racist, a misogynist. That is not me. It's just the, the statement. Just, talk, yeah. just talking about the statement itself was said and, you know, it, you know, some people kind of feed into it, but then somebody kind of, you know, speaks up and says, this is not, you know, not acceptable, blah, blah. And then, so the question was put in our Facebook group board game. Well, I don't know if I'll, how private that group is. So mm. <laughs> it was somewhere on the internet, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere on the interwebs. Um, but, you know, talking about cultivating a space and like how much should we, um, tolerate that kind of thing it's like okay what's the you know someone says something it's like what should we do i mean should the you know block them mute them you know uh talk to them and like what do you do right and then there was like a back and forth and then it's like you know Sen and i uh kind of aligned up on a certain point and we'll get to that in a second but just like in general maybe just to kind of set the scene sen yeah. um someone says do something of that type of the internet what is your first thought Oh, my first. Okay. So my first thought is um, probably, <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, let's be honest. We're all human. Right. Uh, my first thought is this, and then I delete it all. Right. At least mentally. Like I, I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> for the podcast kind of, list, for the podcast listeners, Sen just made lots of hand gesticulations. Like I'm going to type a million things. I have yeah. so many thoughts. And then it's like, okay, nope, nope, nope. Self-moderate. And then move on. Well, I mean, that's sort of what we were talking about later anyways, is that whole self-moderation um, that I, I don't think people do as well on the internet as maybe they do in person. Um, maybe they just don't do it at all. I don't know. <laughs> right. um, but it's something that I've always 
had to do. I've always done um, for lots of reasons, some of them to do with race, some of them to do with culture, some of them to do with, uh, you know, being a small person. I'm like five foot two. Um, so you don't look at my friend. Of- you don't look at you look like a giant <laughs> among men right now. Giant, Yes. For those of you in the podcast, I am five foot two. <laughs> I am seriously five foot two. Um, but yeah, it, it's um, I, I think I ask questions usually. You know, you're a therapist. I'm a therapist. We're both therapists. We ask a lot of questions. Um, why? Because um, I, I just I want to know why are you saying the things you're saying? Where are you coming from? Where is the disconnect between you know what everybody else is saying, what you seem to be saying, or where is the disconnect between how I'm interpreting what you're saying and what you're saying or what I think you're saying? Because I mean, communication. As um, as we all know, is rife with just errors sure. all all over the place. And text is, you know, contextual understanding of information through text is difficult at the best of times. And then when you are heated and they are heated and you're not thinking necessarily rationally, and they're not thinking rationally, and you think you're thinking rationally, but you're not. Well, our, our <laughs> defenses are triggered. Our mutual defenses. Oh, are for triggered. sure, hundred percent, right? So, I mean, the neurology. The neuroscience behind this would say, hey, your amygdala is firing and you're not suppressing it or inhibiting this with your frontal cortex. That's exactly what's happening, right? You just kind of react, you see red, and you start typing, typing, typing. And then my frontal cortex kicks in and said, hey, do you really want to be that person? And I say, no, I don't want to be that person. So I delete it, but I will ask questions. So questioning is usually my line of kind of anything. Sure. Um, in my school of therapy, <laughs> we, we go through questions. Uh, questioning is the way to find all answers, really. Um, and as an educator, uh, as a professor of psychology, that's the other school of thought is like school of inquiry. So the power of questioning is, is really big in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I think a lot of people, <laughs> my students particularly may get upset at me when I don't answer their questions with an answer. I answer their question with a question, uh, but I do it for a real reason. I do it because I want you to reflect. I want you to understand that you've made me think about this. What do you think about this? And, um, I tend to have a really good response in general with that, uh, not only from my students, but from people online. I moderate one of the biggest forums for game designers in the world. Like we have o- almost 15,000 members mm. of game designers, right? And they're, you know, a pretty weirdly homogenous lot uh, and cantankerous and content, you know, very logical all the time, but really don't understand when their emotions get in play. Um, and a lot of people with, lots of different things to say and ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find questions really can do a lot of things. They can either clarify it or they dig down a little bit and they show what this person really thinks. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, then now you've just answered my question in the way that proves that what you said is what you meant. And now I'm not interpreting you correctly. Now what do we do? So I think the questions for me are a really good way of not overreacting, right? I don't want to overreact to somebody. I don't want to, like you said, and immediately say, that's racist. Right. Because the person may, well, I mean, I, I would say that behavior is racist or what you said was racist, but I would never say a person is racist until they prove they're a racist. Um, and even then, it's very difficult for me to say that. Um, 
in a lot of ways. Uh, I'm again of the school of labeling a behavior as opposed to labeling a person. Uh, why? Mm -hmm. Because labeling a person leads to a lot of bad things. Never uh, the truth. In general. Never, it never leads to more truth. Never, no, ever. It really does. It kind of ends it right there. Boom. Yes. That's who you are now, Judgment. I guess. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. We've gone into a different phase. Yes. Right. Um, and it's not, and it's not even a good phase. It's like, this is, this is the end. There's, there's apparently no redemption from here. Right. So yeah. And I mean, people say silly things all the time. I say silly mm -hmm. things all the time. Um, but by asking questions, I feel we can, we can delve down to find out the kernels of like whatever might be the truth that your truth, my truth, the truth, whatever it is, we'll find it by asking more questions than we will by assuming and by, you know, shaming people and all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. I'm not much one for that. I'm more for let's, let's find out why people are talking the way they're talking or communicating the way they're communicating. Let's try to bridge those gaps. Okay. So I will kind of, I guess, play a little bit of devil's advocate before sure. I kind of move in there. Okay. So that's great. Sen and Jason are trained therapists and yes. we, <laughs> we tend to like kind of talk through things and wonder stuff, but that doesn't always happen. Right. No, so then, Someone says something, you know, racist, racist, sexist, misogynist, and then the they get checked, right? Someone, and then and that checking might be pretty strong. That checking might contain elements of what this things that we're to say not to do. It's like, okay, you're a racist or whatever, or something like you know, or something strong is said, right? Even if it doesn't go that far, something strong is said, mm -hmm. and then, um, so then. I'll, I'll have many folks and I'll just, I'll, I'll kind of like call up my inner white moderate or something like that. Okay. Um, they'll say that like, it's gone too far. Like, like the moderation has gone, like the checking process has gone too far. Like it's a, there's this like, almost like, you know, whenever you hear like SJW, I hate that term, but I just want to kind of like present that side for a second sure. that like, there is a, almost like an authoritarian streak amongst the left or the progressive folks where we now we want to tell people how to think and talk and mm. all that kind of thing. So it's like someone says something, and then there'll be that that big, you know, pretty passionate backlash. And then you'll have this like, what? Why you listen how to the person? They didn't mean it. Let them just blah blah blah. And there'll be that kind of like, okay, don't don't at me kind of thing. So mm -hmm. like, how would you like how would you respond to somebody who's saying that like you know that process of checking has kind of gone too far? Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely times when it's swung a little hard. Um, I think part of what some people, you know, need to understand is marginalized communities. Uh, if you have insulted somebody in a marginalized community, chances are you're not the first person. Right. And so when they react to you very strongly, it's a buildup of lots of stuff over lots of time uh, since the day they were likely born. Um, and so they're going to react strongly because they have strong feelings and because they've been bitten more than they've not been bitten by being nice or forgiving. Mm. And it's sad to say that, right? It's really super sad to say that, but it's also true. Um, where I was just talking about somebody, I'm not going to name names again, but you know, we were just talking about somebody in the industry today who's made a faux pas and then it comes out that oh he's done that before or he said stuff like that before and oh i've talked to him before about this and i you know tried to help him to you know it's like yeah i get that and i get why people are reacting negatively like overwhelmingly negatively towards 
this person's statement at this particular time in the social climate with the events that just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's really interesting. And I, I know I think there's definitely a part of me that says, hey, we've definitely lost a lot of, you know, civil discourse to put air quotes around something. But there's also a lot of me that says I am super privileged to not have to defend myself against a lot of the stuff that a lot of other people have to defend themselves against because I don't have to worry about certain things, right? I'm, I'm well off. I'm highly educated. I could find a job tomorrow if I lost my job today because somebody doxed me or somebody did something that got me, you know, in, in a lot of trouble for no reason or whatever. But a lot of people can't do that. And so they are protecting all that they have with all that they can. Um, and I mean, it's interesting. Like when you look at things like cancel culture, uh, which, you know, does it exist? I don't know. But where it all started was really when the voice of the minority was heard when the, when people with the people who are minority voices actually got listened to that's really bottom line when it happened right mm-hmm. when black twitter rose up and said hey cancel that person because has it gone too far i don't know but my point is that when the minorities finally have a voice and the internet is simultaneously by the way one of the best inventions in the history of the world and also one of the worst inventions right. in the history of the world. It is just like free speech. I feel so, like we're I feel like we're in the middle of a giant social experiment. Oh, and it just kind of got yeah, unleashed are. on us and we're like, <laughs> this is great. We're talking to each other. What happened? Oh, I mean, I mean, Pandora's box, right? Right. It's beautiful, but you open it up and it's like, I don't know about this. But you think about it, uh, and, and this is me being a Canadian looking down at America, not looking down my nose, but just looking south at America and saying, you know, uh, Americans value free speech so much, like freedom of speech, one of the biggest tenets of being an American and all these things. It's the greatest thing ever. And a lot of times when I'm talking about free speech with people, because people don't understand that Canadians don't have free speech, we have protected speech, which is no slightly different. <laughs> really? No, no oh, one has I mean, a First Amendment. Honestly, like, well, yeah. they don't have a First Amendment the way it plays out in America. Yeah. And even the, right. even the First Amendment in America doesn't play it the way I think a lot of Americans think it should play out. But anyway. Say whatever like, you want. That's what the right. First Amendment is for a lot of people. Say whatever you that's want. Not what it, that's not legally what it means. Um I mean, this is not a con law, sh- con law show, but we could turn it into one of you. Please really don't. To. Please. <laughs> no. The, uh, <laughs> there's plenty of those to watch. The, um, the interesting thing about, uh, about the internet, or sorry, free speech, is you know, a lot of people will bring up the argument like, did you know that uh, you know, without free speech, then all these, you know, the, the black community couldn't have spoken out against um, whatever, like racism. Aunt Jemima. And, and, yeah, all these things. It's like, whoa. Well, why do you need free speech to stop something that is, you know, not necessarily Aunt Jemima, Aunt Jemima is Aunt Jemima, whatever, but like horrendous things like racism and like, like real racism, like, um, I don't know, slavery. I don't know about that. That one, like, so, okay. I'm glad we actually hit on that point because there is, okay. So when I did my video on two types of racism, right? Like yep. we talked about kind of like casual, sure. or I talked like, no, like look like the incidental stuff, right? You know, like people make random comments or even like an Antimima or like a Washington Redskins, like the, like little casual things. Right. And then 
there's like the actual large R, you know, like yeah, just the big R racism, big R, yes. yeah, like that's or, or sexism or whatever the hell, whatever else that is. So then, is are those two linked? And I think like, oh, they are. Okay, so like that's that's that, I think that's a cleavage, right? So like we talk about people who are saying, well, you know, back in the before days, we used to be able to say whatever we want. And now my thought is being policed and now mm. I can't say whatever I want. And people are wondering what happened? Why, you know, why did this SJW stuff take over the land when before we used to just all get along? And no, <laughs> the, I, well, well, the answer was that that previous like offensive stuff was always offensive. Oh yeah. We just didn't have the voice exactly it. and it wasn't only just offensive it led to there's yeah. a there's a continuum between the casual stuff and the capital r yes basically. for sure 100%. and now we're still and now people are kind of like surprised this yeah. is a a thing but you know and i think this is one of the reasons why we want to hop on the call we've kind of, like us as poc minorities have known it the entire time yeah and i wasn't i wasn't trying to say that um you know the antimima thing wasn't isn't important. What I was trying to say is that um, people would often say and, and like put the idea forth that, you know, uh, without freedom of speech, you know, minorities wouldn't have a voice, wouldn't be able to do these things, wouldn't be able to fight back against these things. And my argument is always, well, why did these things occur in the first place? <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, if you have freedom of speech to say whatever you want, and we have freedom of speech to to fight these things, you know. It, it's this. It is this ever evolving thing. So when does it stop? When 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 does the freedom of speech to insult me based on my race, color, creed, sexual orientation, whatever? When does that become, you know, something I don't have to worry about? Something I don't have to fight about? Uh, because if you're saying freedom of speech is the greatest weapon against that, yeah, but it also creates all those problems too in a lot of ways, right? Okay, so, so, so who does I it can serve? Sense, again, white, it or white, moderate is sensing yeah. you're getting into dangerous territory. You're actually going up against the tenets of freedom of speech. And like I mentioned, I said the word authoritarian before. So yeah. like there's this kind of like authoritarian thing, like you, you denying my freedom of speech. And you know, or, or like policing oh, it, telling me no. what to think and like whatever it is, I, you know, I want to be able to say certain things and I want, you know, cause there's a lot of people that are like, you know, my, my, I have a lot of friends who are like, I'm afraid to tweet now. Like, I'm afraid to like, I'm, I'm it becomes like suppressive yeah. to people because like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what's going to offend people. I I'm just a whatever. And I feel like there's a, as a, a sense yeah. of fear. Oh, oh, that was actually it. That was it. What? That was part of the whole thing. Right. It's like, well, I mean, I don't know if those inner white moderates of yours have ever understood that, you know, that's how it feels to be a person of color every day. Okay. Right. In a lot of ways, like, okay. You know, are we, are we afraid to tweet? Are we afraid to let our thoughts be known? Yeah. In a lot of ways, because it's, it's this damned if you do damned, if you don't, if you don't talk out about it, it's just going to happen. And if you talk out about it, people are going to say, Oh, you're a race, you know, you playing the race card and all this kind of stuff. So what's a person to do, right? What are you supposed to do? And it's only in things like the internet where you find this, you know, conglomeration, critical mass of uh, people who talk the same, think the same. And I don't mean like group think, and I don't mean that kind of, I mean, like we're all in this together type thought about, you know, 
whatever it is, Black Lives Matter, Stop Asian Hate, whatever the hashtag is for the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not in a demissive way. That's just there's so many of them. <laughs> That it's it's sad. I keep track, ways, yeah. Right. Sarah Everard happened a week a half ago as we speak about this and like you know bringing things about you know safety of women and it just feels like like this year has felt very exhausting with all the the stuff. Yeah. Right. And uh, the the idea that you're afraid to tweet. Uh, I mean, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe because that's because what you're going to say is you should be afraid of saying that stuff. Right. It's only now that enough people who aren't for that don't agree with that have enough clout social clout or presence on the internet or whatever you want to call it to say no i don't agree with that mm-hmm. and you know who who feels like they're afraid that's that's a good question who feels like they're afraid to tweet to tweet to tweet and to talk I'll tell you exactly who feels like the, the, the people who haven't been afraid before Right. right. That's who feels afraid is the people who are not used to this. Who, so, okay. I'm, I'm going to put away my devil's advocate. I'm just kind of, you know, we'll no, talk no, no, now. no. Okay. So I mean, right. just, <laughs> just, just, just put it out there to kind of set the conversation up and now we can kind of talk. Yeah. So, um, so, okay. Who has to, who has to be afraid. Right. So I think in the before times and there was this idea that, you know, gaming belonged to certain people. Gaming belonged, like you went to Origins the first, or you went to the first Origins, you went to the first Cons. We know exactly who the, those games belong to. They belong to white, cis, het, males, right? And that's who showed up to the Cons. So I think that this has come up a idea that like, that's their space. And they never had to distinguish public from private in the way that us and, and our, as, as minorities, whatever you want to call it, POC or whatever, have always had to distinguish public from private. And now we're trying to set up a thing where like all of us, white, black, you know, everything in between, we have, now we all have to kind of self-moderate in order to participate in this public space. But I feel like you have a sector of the population who who thinks on some level that it used to be theirs and it used to right. be comfortable. And now it's not comfortable anymore. And what's happening over here? Well, this is how we've always encountered it. We've always had to self-moderate. So like now we are asking everybody to self-moderate and it's not comfortable. It's not no. a comfortable ask. And this part of why I want to do this part is to, to explain to folks. Yeah. When you are checked, like we do that checking on ourselves all the time. Yep. Really do. You, you, like Sen and I were talking before this channel. You don't want to know. <laughs> we're not going to publish what we were talking about before this call. And that's something that we're used to. And that can be a bad thing, but it can also be a good thing. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like I, I have four gates. I have four gates of communication that I pass everything through. Mm. Uh, and the only time I don't do it is when I'm tired or when I'm angry. Uh, and unfortunately, 2020, 2021, I've been angry an awful lot. Yeah. Uh, but I still do my try to do my due diligence and pass everything through this. And it's basically, is it timely? Is it kind? Is it necessary? And is it truthful? You know, and if, if it's all four of those, chances are I'll say it. Timely, kind, necessary, truthful. That's not a very good acronym. Sorry, I, I didn't hear. It's that. not a very good acronym. No, I can't no, it remember. Makes no, it doesn't make any acronym whatsoever. But, <laughs> I was but really, a, I mean, I was hoping for a good acronym. Oops. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, my my world is just filled filled with acronym. Like in non nonviolent crisis intervention, everything's an acronym. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why. Is it safe? What does safe right. mean? Oh, S is this, and A means this, and F. Oh, it's okay. Whatever. Just 
give me the give me the goods <laughs> you also talked about a halt so like hungry angry lonely and tired those yeah. are the when you're that when you are halt then you should halt because yeah. you're going to say something stupid right? yes and i i, I just but i'm sorry four gates four gates the four gates i just think people don't haven't ever had to do that but um here's the deal and this is where this all came from i think jason was when i said yeah i've always had to be this way people have always asked me you know Oh, how come you're so thoughtful? And how come you you speak so wisely? <laughs> it's like it's not because I'm Asian, but it's also because I'm Asian. Um, it's There's not nothing inherent in Asianness that gives no, it to you. No, it's how you're socialized in our yes. yeah uh, in in, know, in a yeah. culture that is not Chinese, right? That if I wasn't, and if I said something wrong, or if I said something uh, different, um, I would pay for that um, right. with severity, with severe repercussions. Um, not as much now because, you know, I've got education and money, but when I was younger, uh, that could have ended a lot worse. You know, if I said something that somebody didn't agree with, um, and it's only now that you find that, you know, people of color are speaking up and speaking their mind because there are more people of color speaking up and speaking their mind. And what you're seeing is not a, a loss of a space. It's, more like, oh, people are finding their voices. You always, you have your voice, the other people, you have your voice. Nobody's taking that away from you. Nobody is thought policing you. You can still say what you want. You're just going to get probably judged harshly for it. If it's racist, sexist, or homogenous, what yeah. you're saying, not not because if you're the person, like, and I think no. Sen and I are trying to, that's another message trying to get out that we are, again, as much as possible, <laughs> yeah. be, be very, very careful about ascribing that label to people. Yeah. But if you are Behavior? saying... Yeah, you're going to get called out for it now. Yeah, racist, sexist, homogenous uh, um, things. Um, which what we're trying to articulate is like that stuff necessarily leads to the worst stuff. Yeah, it just does. Like it's just that's just been, been our experience. Like me, you know, like if I, you know, okay, so I'll, let me let me flip it back, right? Sure. So in my, I grew up in a community that called the cops pigs. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what we called the cops when you know, I lived. I grew up in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, and it was um, I don't know if you know it, but it, uh, it has it has a it has a Chinatown, like a thriving one, one of the one of the biggest ones in the entire world, actually. Uh, just oh, cool. right there, right down that block from me. I, I grew up next to it as it was growing up. Uh, anyway, but it was also you know black and Puerto Rican. We yep. all kind of hung out there too, and you know like imagine, and this is like like imagine if it was you know as I was growing up, that was a part of my group that says, you know, that called the cops pigs. And then, you know, in the age of social media, we see whatever is happening and it's like, okay, oh, and a pig got another one. And I posted right. that, right? Well, what happened if I posted that? Like, I, I already know that's dumb. And I, I've already been socialized to think to know that's dumb. But I feel like on, you know, the people who are not used to being checked like that, where it's like, you know, I don't know, some women love to wear low cut dresses or, you know, uh, or yeah. I don't know, uh, black people are this, or, you know, like, I don't know, like, and that doesn't happen in gaming. I'm, maybe we even talked about kind of life too. Right. Right. How like there, there's certain things that are, that are more freely except Kung flu. Right. That are more freely. Well, I mean, accepted. if you want to talk about gaming stuff, it's like the, this, the meme that I really dislike uh, of how a male partner always has to hide the purchases from a female partner. Hmm. Right. That's a very, very common meme in gaming culture. Sure. But only now are people because there are more women on the forums. Right. They're saying that's not how it works. Why are you doing that? 
And so I always Why ask make you look like that? Why make it look yeah. like a nag? Yeah. And I always ask questions. Oh, do you not talk to your partner? Right. I'm just asking a question. They're like, <laughs> oh, no, of course I do. Well, then why are you posting this? Oh, because it's funny. It's like, well, is it really? What's funny about this? Explain to me what's funny about this. Oh, I don't find it funny. Why do you find it funny? Oh, well, it's this. It's like, well, it isn't, is it? Really? I don't know. Um, and I, I think, you know, again, by posing questions and by engaging people in these conversations, I mean, maybe you'll turn some hearts and minds around. Maybe not the original poster. Again, mm -hmm. that's not my goal. My goal is to moderate the other people, <laughs> right? And it's funny. So as a moderator of a ginormous forum, um, you know, it it is a lot of work to just kind of curate everything so that what comes up in that that feed is what the vast majority of people in that form are there for. And I'm not talking about like, there's very little racist, sexist stuff in board game design forums. It comes up every now and then when people talk, try to talk about inclusivity and things like that. Um, there are definitely some people who come out of the woodwork and why would you want to do that? And you're just pandering to the social justice warriors and whatever. Um, <laughs> but even then, you know, it's like, this is not the forum to ban those people from this is also not the forum for having that conversation um so it's like yes this is about game design this is about this if it's not about the players then why are, you know obviously we're talking about players so it is about game design so somebody's like this is not about game design yes it is uh if you want people to play it that's what games right. are <laughs> right. they can't exist without players they don't exist in a vacuum mm -hmm. um but um you know, the the, the amount of moderation I do in that form is actually quite a lot, but it's mostly about, you know, people posting their Kickstarter links because we don't allow that. And, and that's really the crux of moderation is what is or isn't allowed in that space. And so a lot of, like, you know, if you're looking out there for a phrase to use, just repeat this one. Oh, we don't do that here. We don't, we don't do that in the space. It's a really easy way to say that's not cool in this space. You can do that wherever you are, but in this mm -hmm. space, we don't we don't talk like that to other people. We don't say that about other people. I don't care what you do in your own house. I'm not judging you there, but in this space where I am and these other people are and you are, we have a tacit agreement not to do those things. And, and if you'd I like think, to do yeah. those things, mm -hmm. sayonara, we'll see you later. And so that's where I want to bring in the concept of code switching. Yeah. Right? So like the idea of... So, I mean, seriously, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to make this conversation as useful as possible to people who don't know. They're just like leveling up their engagement. I get a lot of that conversation. I get a lot of those ever since I've been starting posting videos. Yeah. It's like, how can I improve? How can I do it? Which like, is okay, a great, great thing, right? Let that me, people absolutely. want to. And then oh. let me meet you halfway. It's like, okay, well, you know, kind of educating people. So like, okay, I, I, I want to make a very, very clear and hard distinction between public and private spaces, right? Sure. And a distinction that many people haven't had to make before, like they, they make it at work, right? Like we do it, like, you know, we, we speak one way at home, we speak one way at work, but they're not used to doing it in their leisure space. Right. Right. And so yes. now we're asking them to do it in their leisure space. And what we're asking them to do is code switch, right? So code switching yes. is, you know, there's a lot of different phrases for it. There's like, you know, in sociology, it's one thing and in linguistics, another thing, blah, blah, blah. But what I mean, like colloquially and in kind of um, theory is you speak one way in one, like you basically like there's every space has codes, right? Yes. Your home has a code and with this friend group, you have another code. But then in this, in a social space, there is a 
a code that's built on consensus. Yes. Right. And that consensus, you know, the, the good way to putting it is what are the things like who's in the space, who will be offended by what is said of this and a third thing when we are going to take those things, we're going to shape our code so that we don't include those things. And hopefully what's left is like fun and, <laughs> you know, like rich, like a thing, a place that people want to be. So that's, yep. a, that's a challenging thing. But that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to establish code switching as a norm because it's always been a norm. It's always been a norm for people who code switch all the time, like us, right? So, um, I mean, that's another thing. Like, again, when I talk about the four gates, it is really a lot of it is to protect myself in a lot of ways from saying something that will get me into trouble, uh, but also saying things that other people just wouldn't understand because they don't share the same lived experience that I do. And other people who might share a lot of the same characteristics as me, they'd get it. Uh, and, you know, definitely we have, <clears throat> we have our own self-moderated spaces. Like there is an Asian analog game designer forum and <clears throat> we talk about all sorts of stuff on there, but we all kind of get it because we've all come from, you know, not a monolithic culture, but enough cultural similarities right. that it makes sense to us. Um, just like, you know, Jason, you know, if you were talking with somebody from Puerto Rico, obviously you share some shared history and culture with them. Or from Brooklyn. Or from Brooklyn, right? right. <clears throat> and so even though not everybody in Brooklyn is the same, and even though not everybody in Puerto Rico is the same, and even though, you know, let's say somebody from the Dominican Republic who lives in Brooklyn is not the same as somebody from Puerto Rico who lives in Brooklyn, right. you probably have more in common with them than you might have yeah, in common with somebody. Stuff. Yeah, like a, right? It's like an onion. <laughs> yeah, many layers. Peel them off. Peel them off. Peel off the layers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's actually super interesting to peel those layers back sure. in a respectful and kind way. Um, but yeah, the, the idea of code switching is really... Um, Sometimes it's to be safe mm -hmm. uh, for some people who can sort of hide in plain sight. So uh, mixed race children um, like my kids uh, or, uh, you know, people who are gay but not out um, or gay and out, but can't let themselves know that, can't let that it be known that they're gay in certain spaces. Mm -hmm. um, they will code switch all the time, all the time. And it's, it's really interesting when you find out that, um, you know, oh, the person that you're talking to is also of that culture or of, you know, that subculture or marginalized group and the code switches like that. Mm -hmm. like, it becomes so like you grew up because you grow up with it, because yeah. it's a part of your every single day. And because there's that, like, it, it, we, I want to be really careful, right? I mean, I don't want to say like, that white moderate culture is threatening. And that is not the impression I want to give. However, nope. <laughs> the however, like there are certain things that can we can say or things that are said in that space that are threatening. So it's like, I don't want to say anything that triggers that snapback. Right. Cause that that's because gotcha. there is snapback and the people and and folks are very hard. It's very hard to think to think about. It's like, I don't snap back at anybody. I'm nice and I'm this and I'm that. <laughs> <laughs> if certain people <laughs> say certain things, you are, they are there. There is going to be an instinct to defend whatever space, and it sure. becomes dangerous. So you know, uh, we get used to code switching. We get used to saying, "Okay, I'm going to say it here. I'm not going to say it there." Yeah, I know if I say whatever I say here, if I bring it there, it's going to trigger snapback. Yeah, it's going to trigger something hurtful to me or hurtful just in general. So it's like not going to say it, and so 
part of that is positive, part of that's negative, but like we want to take, try to take the positive stuff and bring that to our new board gaming space. And it's new. Like you said before, people are finding their voices. This mm -hmm. is not just SJW garbage. There was a, a, a thread somewhere else of like, it was so nice when you just showed up and we were all together, but then the SJWs brought their garbage. No, no, no. That is not, it, it is our voice, <laughs> it's our voices. We are going to open our mouths if we see something we don't like. And that, calling, like labeling that such a way is just, it's so diminishing. No, mm -hmm. like it's, it has our voices. We are practiced, like you said before, why are you so wise? Because we have done this. We are practiced that, you know, I was trying to Oh, say, and I'm not wise. <laughs> Yeah, I've right. There's a there's a difference, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're I'm, trying I'm, to. Yeah. I'm old now, so maybe I am a little bit wiser, but it's it's just practice. It's practice, and, it's and practice. we are trying to invite. And this is just me and Sen talking here. We are trying to invite other folks to can to practice the same way that we have done, you know, our whole lives, or find your own way to do it, right? But but it is that idea that um, you you can't just spout off stuff and not expect there to be ramifications if it is disagreeable for whatever reason. I mean, people disagree with me all the time. And I'm sure, you know, there's some people on on, on either side of the very far right or left wing of whatever that might find stuff that people say offensive. Uh, and that's that's not okay, but natural. That's a natural thing. You know, um, the question is, how do we deal with that in a way that is um, positive. And so, I mean, we can talk about civility and the lack of civil discourse and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, it, it's such a funny thing. It's like when, when, who, if you're, if you are lamenting the loss of civil discourse, what are you really lamenting? Are you lamenting just your right to say whatever you think is on your mind and not have consequences for it? Cause that's what it sounds like for a lot of people. Oh, civil discourse, the, it's gone. It's like, well, no, you're just saying stuff I disagree with vehemently because it oppresses me, puts my life at risk. That's why I'm, that's why I'm disagreeing with you. Right. Uh, because you are, it's unfounded, perhaps. There's no research behind it, maybe. Also, all these other things, right? It's so, a poor attempt at humor. You're saying you're humorous, yeah. but I've heard that joke 20,000 times. And it's not funny anymore or never was. So, you know, it, it's there's all these kind of dog whistles that just kind of peek my ear up. Like when somebody starts, you know, arguing about social justice warrior, this and social justice warrior, that first of all, I'm a social justice bard. I'm not a warrior. I'm a bard. So get that straight. <laughs> Second of all, uh, I don't know what's derogatory about fighting for social justice. I really don't. So it's not an insult to me. Uh, third of all, if you, if you really are worried about civil discourse, how about you start speaking civilly? I mean, just try. It's really easy. Don't insult people. Don't say, you know, sexist, misogynistic, racist things, homophobic things, transphobic things. Right. Right. And I mean, if you and I disagree on something, we can disagree all the time. As soon as your disagreement with me, you know, puts my life at risk, puts the life of people I love at risk, uh, you know, is basically kind of canceling my right to exist out. We got problems. Right. Right. And who deserves to be in a space? The person who wants to cancel other people's lives out. And I don't mean cancel culture. I mean like death and, you know, Oh, you know, 
or you know subjugation or oppression or the people who are just trying to play games right i don't know you don't so, have the okay. right you don't you don't have the mm-hmm. there's no god-given right that you belong in a space Hey, everybody, Jason here. So I'm actually going to cut the chat with friends portion of the episode here. I understand that Sen was really getting into stuff, and that's why I'm making the cut. We are about to transition to uh, more specifically address the Stop Asian Hate Movement, which is what he was alluding to at the end of this section. So this is um, a co-production chat with friends between Shelf Stories and the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. So if you listen to the podcast, uh, that is going to be the show for the week. If you are interested in seeing the rest of the conversation, it will only be on Shelf Stories. So if you're here on Shelf Stories, it should be the next video uh, in the feed. So I'll close it off here. This is Jason reminding you, if you can change your mind, you can change the world. So until next time, later everybody, and stay tuned for part two. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop. Or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. <laughs>